Let me see you put them up. Reach the sky, touch the stars up above, cause it's one time for the underdog. One for the I'm Patrick Bidiv, your host of Value Timing, and today we're going to talk about the one topic everybody is so concerned about, which is market crash, economic collapse. Is it coming? And if it is, how to prepare for it? By the way, before I get into explaining everything, one of the facts I'm going to share with you and that I want you to be thinking about and answer it and see if you can get the answer. Since 1926 till today, 1926 till today. That's roughly 90-something years of the market, 92 years of the market. How many years do you think market's been in the positive? Out of those 90-something years, 92 years, how many years has the market been in the positive? Like, I want you to say 22%, 43%, 68%. What do you think it is? I'm going to answer that in a few minutes before I get into it. So having said that, let's start off with definitions first. Number one, everybody drops this word about crash, correction, bear market. What does it really mean? A market correction is when a market tanks by 10%. A bear market is 20%. And a crash is when the market tanks 35 to 60% that lasts three to six months. When that happens, that's a crash. So now, a lot of these words you hear about correction, bear market, crash, it's also, you hear a lot of people say recession, and some channels are even talking about depression. We need to always know the difference between recession and depression. Recession is when a market economic declines six straight months or higher. If it lasts for six months or higher, then we're in recession. A depression is when the market is in recession for two plus years and the GDP of the country drops by 10%. When that happens, we're experiencing a depression. So if anybody drops that word, you gotta be able to say, wait a minute, depression is, you know, we're talking about two years and we're talking 10% GDP. That's very unlikely. I'll give you the history of what that really means when it comes down to the numbers. But the part that you really have to worry about, and this is the part that no expert can explain to you on what could happen, is the one word you hear, it's called black swan. People will say, oh, we may have a black swan, a black swan may happen, a black swan may, this word's being dropped. So what is a black swan? A black swan is something difficult to predict with massive, massive economic consequences. So we can't predict a black swan. A 9-11 could be a black swan. A, a, a thing that even if you watch the movie Big Short and they could be able to predict it based on all the Negan loans that people weren't making the payments on their mortgage payment, that's not a black swan because that one the experts could predict. It's something we cannot predict. That's something we always have to worry about. That's not what this video is about. This video is about things that you and I can predict and things that we can watch and see trends and say, okay, I can kind of see what's going on here. I have to worry about these three things. I can't do anything about these four different things. So now that's definitions. So now that we've covered some of the terminology, whether what's a correction, bear market, you know, a crash, a recession, a depression, a black swan, let's talk a little bit about history and facts so you can kind of get an idea about some of the trends that are taking place. Earlier, I asked you a question. Since 1926 till today, roughly 92 years, what percentage of the time the market's been on the up? What percentage of the time each given year has been on the up? What was your answer? I'm so curious. By the way, I would like you to post your answer below, comment before I even say it. And after I give you the answer, I want you to tell me if you're shell-shocked by the answer. Ready? Here's what the answer is. 74% of the time, the market's been up. 74% of the time, the market's been up. What does this mean to you? Listen, every one of these experts that write books, and once they write a book, 
and they say 15 years from now the market's going to collapse and it's going to be terrible. It's going to be Armageddon. That book sells for 15 years until people really realize that guy didn't know what he was talking about. And then there are people that say, the market's going to blow up the next seven years and you should go in. A guy named Harry Dent wrote a book. Everybody was like, oh my gosh, we're going to be billionaires. Everybody's going to be a billionaire. Listen, if everyone's going to be a billionaire, that's an absolute hype that you shouldn't be paying attention to, right? If everyone's going to become millionaires or make a lot of money. It just doesn't work out that way, right? So here, 74%, which means what? No matter how bad things are, in the next 20 years, 15 years are going to be positive, give or take. If we do what we've done the last 92 years, that's something for you to be paying attention to. So let's go a little bit deeper. Let's look at a little bit of history. Every time we've had a, a recession, how long has it taken us to recover? How big has the drop been? And how long did it last? And last but not least, how much did the GDP of America actually drop off? Let's look at this. May of 1946, we had a recession. It lasted 36 months. The S&P dropped 30% during that 36 months. After the drop-off, 15 months it took us to recover, 15 months. And during that period, the GDP dropped roughly 1.7%. Remember, it has to drop by more than 10% to be a depression. Remember that? That doesn't count as a recession. That's why it's only a depression. August 1956, 15-month duration, market dropped 22, recovered 11 months. GDP, look at that, 3.7%. That's bigger GDP, even though it was smaller. December 61, duration only 6 months, minus 28. Recovery, 14 months, 1.6%. 1966, duration 8, dropped 22, recovered 7 months, 0.6%. Roughly the same the next year. Let's come a little bit to now. Let's go 1990-2000, July of 1990. 3 months, minus 20%. 5 months recovery, 1.4%. March of 2000, 31 months, minus 49%. 55 months to recover, 0.3%. Weird how the GDP didn't change. And in October of 2007, the most recent one we experienced, 17 months, minus 57%, 65 months to recover. And even that was 5.1% GDP, which by the way, if you think about it, 5.1 is a very big number in today's economy. We almost got to a depression just 10 years ago, but we had to get above 10%. You kind of see what's going on here. Here's the point though. When you look at these numbers, Everybody looks and says, wow, but the market dropped, and what about this, and what about that? Here's one data to be thinking about. I don't want you to make an emotional decision. This is not an emotional, oh my gosh, better worry. From 1997 till today, 1997 till today, say roughly 4,000 days, each year is 365 days times 11 years, from 1997 till today, if you would have taken your money out and would have missed on the 50 best days from 1997 till today, your portfolio would have been 60% less if you would have missed out on the best 50 days. What does this mean? This is not necessarily a message to those above 55 years old because it has to do with your age and your risk tolerance. This has to do with the person that's watching this that's 29, 31 years old. You are not necessarily going to be that affected by a market crash if it were to happen on a 20-year period. Because if you miss those best days, you are in a way going to be affected by, your network's going to be affected by. So if you try too much to time it, it'll hit you. So in reality is, I'm sharing this with you to kind of get a better idea on how long it takes, what could happen, what are some of the trends, and worst case scenario, how bad has it been, can I handle how bad it's been. If I can, I'm going to be okay based on my age. We'll talk a little bit about that in a minute here. Let's talk about now cause of crash. 
What causes the market to crash? Number one, fake money. What is fake money? We just keep having fake money, fake wealth, right? The next one, fake success. People are rich, but you know they're broke. It's a big difference. You know, people look like they have a lot of money. Let me tell you, like I remember we had a guy, he had 18 properties and he had equity in all these properties. And he would go around telling everybody he's worth $15 million. And then the market tanked. He lost every penny of equity, short sale, everything he had to get rid of. He was trying to sell this property, that property, this property, but at the peak when everything was looking good, he was, I'm worth $15 million, I'm worth $10 million. He wasn't. It was fake money. And the moment we had a crash, he lost it all that went away. You have to be very careful with knowing the difference between fake money. Next one, market manipulation happens a lot. Some are done by the public. Some is done by, uh, uh, you know, private, by the people. So some, you and I do it as investors, market manipulation, you try to do it. And the other one is that the government's doing it. And we talk about that here in a, in a minute. Four, geopolitical terror. 9-11 happens. We could experience something like that when it happens. Again, that's a black swan type of an event. It is geopolitical, but it is black swan because it's unpredictable and it's massive consequences. It could happen at any time. You can't uh, control that. Number five, conflict, foreign. What am I talking conflict with foreign? Trade, tariffs, you're hearing right now with Trump and China and you know, Mexico and Canada, and can we get an agreement? Oh, we're gonna get it before midterm election because it's taking a hit. What are we gonna do here? Some of those things takes a hit into the market. Maybe not a crash, but it can be a hit. Number six, war. Wars hurt markets. Number seven, assassinations. You have to know that's another thing that sometimes the market takes a hit. Uh, when assassinations happen. Matter of fact, when John F. Kennedy, I think it's November 22nd, 1963, I think it's November 22nd, 1963, when John F. Kennedy was assassinated, that day they shut down the market. The next day, market took a hit, 2.8%. Reagan attempt on assassination, the market tanked 1.2%. Nixon's resignation, the market tanked 1.3%. Cuban, you know, missile crisis, Market tank, 2.7%. Those are some of the things that you have to know that can cause a crash. And then the next one is bubbles. When it comes down to crash, you got to also know about different kind of bubbles. Now, what causes a bubble? When bubbles happen, we are becoming way too optimistic. Lack of irrational common sense. We lose common sense. It's almost, you know how they say, when a person is in love, their brain, when they study the brain, it's as if they're on drugs. When you start making money consecutively, you become irrational and you lose common sense because you really start believing you know what you're doing and you don't, but you really start believing, oh my gosh, everything's going to be fine for me. Lack of paranoia, unreasonable confidence, bubbles controlled by the government, which I'll talk about here in a minute. Some of the bubbles that we've experienced, real estate, 2006, we experienced it. Bitcoin, a little bit earlier this year, everybody thought they were going to become millionaires and billionaires with Bitcoin. We realized after all this Ethereum, Bitcoin, Bitcash, you know, everything, Ripple, all these things that were taking place, we realized the technology is solid. We may be going to cryptocurrency. I don't know if Bitcoin's worth $50,000. I don't know if it's worth $100,000. Some people say, say still it is. I may be wrong, but a lot of what was happening with Bitcoins was signs of a bubble. Young people were excited. Everybody changed their profiles on their Twitter account. Cryptocurrency expert, cryptocurrency expert, you're 17 years old. Yeah, but I'm a cryptocurrency expert. All of these things are signs of what a bubble happens, right? IPO bubble, back in the 90s, everybody was going public, raising money, everybody was, tech boom. 
Credit bubble, oh my gosh, today, school loan, $1.4 trillion. If we start defaulting on that, it's going to be very interesting. Now, you got the debt bubble, which we experienced a little bit in 08. You got some of these investors in Silicon Valley, these new people that are coming into some money, and they're just throwing money at startups, and these real PE guys that have been around for a while, they're kind of upset with these other guys. that are. It's a very funny thing going on right now with PEs and, and investors going and throwing money at new startups, but that's all a bubble, right? Let me spend a little bit of time talking about bubbles controlled by the government. It's very important for you to know this part. And I'm going to try to say it in the simplest way possible that makes sense to you. Because sometimes you hear words, and here's how we watch the news or we read the article. Here's how we read. Let me t- tell me if you've ever done this before. You'll read an article. One of the challenges that we're facing today is quantitative easing. And, da, 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 and then boom, you're lost. You change the article. And the reason why I changed the article is because you don't know what quantitative easing means. Or you watch somebody use a big word, you don't know what it means when it comes down to money. You actually have to pause and search and find out what that word means to educate yourself. We have to be very careful with bubbles controlled by the government. For example, the federal rates, you know, the rates that we have currently right now, they keep raising the rates and the market keeps going down. You know, sometimes they lower the rates and they call it quantitative easing. Now, what is quantitative easing? We did back in 2008 when the market collapsed and then all of a sudden banks became so tight they were not giving money to small business owners. And the moment the small business owners no longer getting money to go grow their businesses, economy takes a hit because jobs, 65% of jobs in America are created by small business owners. We need these small business owners to be getting loans to start creating jobs, right? So the government's at the top saying, oh my gosh, what do we do? Let's lower the rates. And they keep lowering the rates. And they keep lowering the rates. And then all of a sudden, the banker, who doesn't care about the Fed's lowering the rates, he doesn't care about the economy. He cares about keeping his job. And the only one person that can fire him isn't the customer, isn't a federal government official. It's his boss that works at the bank. So the more money he lends and the businesses go out of business and they lose the money, he's fired. So him, the banker, sat there and he said, well... I know the government gave us some money, and I know the rate is very low right now. It's 0% to a quarter of a percent. Why don't we go buy some treasury bonds, and we get 2% on that. And if we're paying you know, 0 to a quarter, but we're getting 2%, we're making minimum 1.75 uh, or maybe 2. I'm at least reporting positive numbers. Who cares? Forget about giving any money to small business owners. And we experienced this for three, four, five years. Very interesting times. So the government comes out, and they say quantitative easing. Here's what we're doing. They are putting money slowly but surely into banks, and they buy banks' toxic assets is what they buy. Toxic securities. These are companies that are about to go on default, and they're going to go out of business. They buy those assets from the bank. The bank starts feeling a little bit better because those toxic assets are gone. Gradually, money is being put into these banks, and the, with the hopes of the bank taking this money and giving it to small business owners, And what they end up doing is they notice that these banks are putting their money in treasuries. The government, Fed, goes and buys all the treasuries. And the more they buy, the rates go from 2% to 1.5% to 1% to 1.5%, whatever the number may be, where the banker is sitting there saying, why am I going to buy treasuries? They force the banker to hopefully lend to the small business owner for 5 to 8%, so it gets the market going. It's purely market manipulation with fake money. The value of dollar goes down, it devalues the dollar. Again, I don't want to be too technical, but hopefully I explained it to you in a way that next time somebody explains quantitative easing, just know 
That is the government buying toxic assets with the hopes of manipulating the market and the banks to lend money to small business owners so they can prosper and create jobs. That's in essence what it means in the value to market, value to dollar goes down. But that's still a bubble that you have to be paying attention to. So these are some of the causes of why we may have a market crash. And last but not least, how should you be prepared for it? Number one is anticipation. <laughs> you have to anticipate. One of the numbers that you have to keep in mind, for nine straight years, the market has been in positive. Let me say this one more time. For nine straight years, the market has been in positive. And if you look at the question I asked since 1926, what is it? 74%, right? For 92 years, 74% of the time, the market's done better. The last nine years, we're at 100%. But that's not really our free throw shooting percentage. Our free throw shooting percentage is what? 74%. So we need to have three downturns to go back to 74%, because that'll be nine on 12. That's exactly 75%. So you have to know those things to just keep in mind and trust what's happening with the history. You can't be too naive about it, right? So market is going to crash. It's not a big deal. We may have a correction or a bear or a crash, but it's gonna be taking place. Number two, your risk tolerance. You have to be very true to your risk tolerance. If you're 55, you can't be going, you know, oh my gosh, I'm gonna go all market, cash, all this other stuff. I don't recommend that. If you're 28, and you got a couple hundred thousand dollars, you also can't press the panic button too early right now because you're young. You can afford a 20-year run rate. You can't miss those best 50 days. You just have to make sure you make a few pivots and adjustments here and there. Number three, cash. I'm a fan of cash. Let me explain to you why I'm a fan of cash. I was on a podcast recently with, uh, with an entrepreneur named Petros. He owns a gym, gym, 700 different franchises of gyms that he owns. Uh, absolute stud of a guy, and he's, a, he's one of these guys that actually knows how business works, and he's good at what, what he's doing, very authentic, very open about his mistakes, flaws, all these things he's doing. He asked me a question, he says, what do you think about the market crash? I said, I can't wait for it. He says, what do you mean? I said, I honestly can't wait for it. W why do you say you can't wait for it? That's it's gonna hurt a lot of people. Well, what do you mean you can't wait for the market crash? I said, first of all, it's inevitable. And every time market crash happens, wealth is made by those who are prepared for it. What do you mean, go a little deeper? Listen, Mickey Mantle's baseball card, PSA 10, 1952, was just bought for $12 million. Now, I think that guy that bought it for $12 million, if a major market crash happens, he's in need for cash. Not a lot of people have cash. And say I'm sitting on $60 million of cash, and I go up to him and say, I'll give you $3 million. I won't take you for $3 million. I paid $12 million. I said, I'm giving you cash right now. You don't have to worry about it. Okay, do $4.2 million. Okay, $4 million, I'll give it to you. $4 million, $12 million. I wait five years. 10 years, market comes back up. I sell that $12 million Mickey Mantle car for $24 million. I spend $4 million to $24 million. That's 6x my money because I have cash, right? When the market crashes, homes are on sale. Well, like right now, I'm in Plano, I'm in Dallas. Everybody thinks, oh my gosh, housing in Texas is so cheap. Everybody wants to say that. 20 years ago it was. Today, it's the same price as LA. I'm telling you right now. Home pricing in Texas is the same as in LA. If you're living in Plano, Highland Park, those types of communities, you're looking, they just sold the house in Dallas for like 30, 40, 50 million dollars. Dallas, Texas, the most expensive house, the biggest house in, in America was just on sale in Dallas, 175 million dollars. What are these things? It's a little overpriced, right? So you gotta be sitting on cash because so, some of the guys that spent 12 million dollars on a house and he put his, all his money into it, the market crashes, he doesn't have the cash, he has to sell that house for 4.2 million. $3.8 million. And the person who can capitalize on that opportunity is the one that has cash. By the way, some people say, Pat, that's cold. That's cruel. Uh, that's not fair. Isn't that why capitalism is so ugly? No. 
It's greed for the person that wasn't prepared for a market crash. That person deserves everything they get. It's greed, the fact that the person thought the market's always going to go up. Nine years straight, we've been in the positive. How are you not prepared for it? You became too irrational, too confident, too optimistic, lost paranoia. Your stomach got too big, so you start kind of paying attention to everything. The reason why I'm making this video is for you to be aware that when this happens, you need cash. And my recommendation is 15 to 25% cash. Not a lot of people agree with that number. I agree with that number. It's worked for me. Here's what I mean by it. You got a million dollars right now in mutual fund stocks, bonds, real estate. Just make sure you got somewhere between 150 to a quarter million dollars in cash today that you're prepared for it. Pat, that's ludicrous. I know it is ludicrous. I'm just sharing with you my opinion. I may absolutely be wrong. I'm just sharing with you what I believe is a good positioning to be at a time where the market's been positive for nine straight years. Nine straight years the market's been positive while the market since 1926, 74% of the time is in the positive. You got to pay attention to those numbers. Let me give you another thing here for you to be thinking about. This is numbers here, okay? Maybe only we can make it bigger for them to see it. Today, today, the Dow Jones is at 25,720. That's what it closed at, today. 25,720. The S&P 500 is at 2,723. 2,723. Can you tell me the last time Dow Jones was at 6,503 and the last time the S&P 500 was at 676? Again, 676, that's four times, more than four times less than what it is today. And the Dow Jones, nearly four times what it is today. Can you tell me when the last time was we were at 6503 or 676, when do you think it was? 1949, uh, 1973, 1988, 2001, try 2009, just nine years ago. Let me say this one more time. Just nine years ago, you know who loves this boost? People who had cash during this time. Because those who had cash at that time, you're buying Ford stock at 75 cents. You're buying Citigroup at 80 cents. You're buying companies, value stocks that are going to come back up for nothing because those people had cash in place. So, and by the way, I'm not telling you this is 100% everybody, but a small group of people were ready for this time. They prepared for it. Number four, avoid major real estate investments right now. I'm avoiding major real estate investments right now for a couple different reasons. Number one, the current tax setup that Trump has doesn't benefit people that own big real estate properties, investment, real estate properties that you live in, especially you live in a house. I'm not talking necessarily investment properties that you're buying as long as you keep your cash. I'm not talking investment. You buying a big house, I wouldn't do it right now. I just wouldn't be doing it right now. Matter of fact, I'd be renting right now if I was you. I wouldn't be buying a house right now if I was you. I just wouldn't be. But that's my opinion on what I'm saying. I could absolutely be wrong. That's one of the things I'd be talking, thinking about if I was you. Number five, cash in on some of your profits. What do I mean by that? You got a house that's sitting there, $600,000. You have $280,000 in equity in it. Maybe cash in a little bit. Maybe cash in a little bit of the profits is what I would do. Maybe you got 10 properties, sell a couple of them. Maybe you got some stocks that are doing very good and you made 17% profits on some of them. You have some dividends. Cash in some of the dividends and, dividends and take some out. Take some out and set it aside. Put it in your cash portfolio that you have. Number six, precious metals. Maybe three to five percent, I recommend today. Maybe three to five percent, some gold. Seven, to me, it may be the best one out of all of these, is protect your career. Become an expert today. Listen, let me explain it to you. When the market crashes, you know who is exploited? Amateurs. 
You know when the market crashes, who becomes a hero? Experts. Let me say this one more time. When the market crashes, amateurs get exploited, experts become heroes. For some of you that are watching saying, how cruel, how cruel for you to, you know, see amateurs being exploited. Amateurs have the option to stop watching Netflix and watch videos like this and say, I disagree with the guy and go do research and become smarter and read business books instead of watching newsfeed and finding out who's got the new big butt, who's got the best big boobs, or who's dating who or who's dating what. Amateurs have the same amount of 24 hours in a day, 168 hours in a week. But they're entertaining themselves rather than being prepared. My challenge to you watching this, go become an expert right now before the next market crash. Become a beast at whatever you're doing right now. Become so good that when the market crashes, everyone needs you because you're irreplaceable. Those guys get elevated, elevated in market crashes, elevated in economic collapses, elevated when financial crisis comes around. One of the best tips I can give you is protect your career. And last but not least, call a timeout. Study all your portfolios. Look at all your investments. Look at everything. Cash, artifacts, collections, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, real estate, equity positions, ownership. Look at everything. And study it more often than you do before. Look at it weekly rather than used to look at it every quarterly. Look at it on a weekly basis. Go look at your uh, mutual fund and see where it's the allocation with the, with the uh, uh, stocks that you own. Is it balanced? Is it too growth? Is it too small cap? What is it looking like right now? Where's your 401k looking at? Actually pay attention to it. Thanks everybody for listening. And by the way, if you haven't already subscribed to Valuetainment on iTunes, please do so. Give us a five star, write a review if you haven't already. And if you have any questions for me that you may have, you can always find me on Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. Just search my name, Patrick Bidavid. And I actually do respond back when you snap me or send me a message on Instagram. With that being said, have a great day today. Take care everybody, bye-bye.